0: Snack production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, killer robots, Keith, which I think scares the hell out of everyone, just, <laughs> exactly. you know, through that one little phase. But before we do get to that, something that I did think about this week is that a lot of people might be tuning in for the first time and listening to this podcast and Not really know a lot about you and why you are so significantly qualified to be able to talk about international relations and politics like this. Because really, you've had a very, very long, long career in domestic politics, in uh, international politics.
1: That's right. So I've uh, had an interest in international politics, which goes back well over half a century. I learned how to do my public speaking at Speaker's Corner in London, Hyde Park, when I was in my teenage years, and I was talking then on matters relating to international affairs, particularly the United Nations, and I've just maintained that interest. So I have a a first degree in international law, international relations, and international economics. Then I came to Australia, and I did a, a PhD in the international law of guerrilla warfare. Then I did a second PhD on the economics of the arms race. And the creation of a peace industrial complex. And then more recently, I've done one on scenario planning, my third PhD, which is a technique for thinking about the future. So I don't just analyze what's going wrong, I also try to speculate about what could happen. What are the scenarios that are flying? My approach is just to give people a bit of history, a a sense of context, Mm. and then look at what the current situation is and then speculate about what could happen into the future. So we've got to spend more time trying to reduce the risk of our being taken by surprise and listening for the faint signals of change.
0: So today, killer robots, take it away, Keith. Why (laughs) particularly are you so passionate about this one?
1: Well, this is an article I've come across in the American magazine, The Atlantic, And it's called Killer Robots and the New Era of Machine Driven Warfare. And it's in the September edition of The Atlantic. And so, what they're talking about now is really a new era of warfare. So, we used to talk about land, sea, and air, they were the three domains. Then we've decided to talk about Space warfare for the last half a century, putting things into space. Now, of course, we have cyber warfare that we attack each other's electrical equipment, you know, Mastercard systems, etc. This is now yet another theatre of warfare, which is robotics, and so you've got what are called autonomous weapons. In other words, that you're going to have um, weapons that are going out onto the battlefield obviously a lot cheaper than risking human life, they will then go into battle and they will then be able to carry out the sort of campaigns which the Americans had hoped to be able to do in Vietnam. In other words, being able to conduct warfare through machines with a minimum amount of human interaction. And the argument is that machines can act and react more quickly than a human being can and so, we're going to be seeing in the next decade missiles that fly very near to the Earth at a mile a second, too fast for humans to make crucial defensive decisions on their own. We'll also have drones that will attack in self directed swarms, and specialized computers will assault one another at the speed of light. So, we're dealing really with an emerging new era of warfare. The US Navy for example, is experimenting with a 135-ton ship called the Sea Hunter that could patrol the oceans without a crew looking for submarines that it could attack directly. So this is the new era of warfare that is opening up. The Army, the U.S. Army, is developing a new system for its tanks that can smartly pick targets and point a gun at them. So the United States Air Force is working on a pilotless version of his F-16 fighter jet, calling it the Skyborg program, which one day could carry substantial armaments into a computer-managed battle. So it's a whole new era of warfare that is now opening up reduces the risk of humans being killed uh, on the battlefield. But, of course, the downside is that the machines can run amok. We go into the era of cyber warfare, get people who hack their systems, get the weapons to attack the people who are sending them out in the first place, all sorts of new things. So this magazine article in The Atlantic is simply saying, look, pay attention, this is a whole new era of warfare which really isn't acquiring too much publicity.
0: The Terminator.
1: (laughs) which gets a mention in this article. Also, Absolutely. Of course. Well, so yeah.
0: what, in, in reference to those kinds of robots like just killing machines, yep. they will exist.
1: That's right. That's the risk we run. And that's what they're warning us about now. And in fact, it is interesting that how much creative thinking is coming out of Hollywood. So often when you talk about the new era of informatics or new era of warfare, it's actually we're taking the lead from Hollywood in so many respects. And so, yes, it, it, it's a very interesting movie to see and get people speculating about the risks that we could run with, in fact, these uh, machines running with their own agenda, with a, in effect, with a mind of my own. One of the people interviewed for this article says, to me, machine learning, which is a variant of artificial intelligence, will be the most important impactor of national security in the next decade. Remember, we've been talking about climate change being important for national security and all these other sorts of issues, mass movement of peoples. And here you've got somebody saying, no, the problem is closer to home, it's artificial intelligence.
0: But do you think that these robots would be used first and foremost, on the domestic front or for international
1: warfare? Well, in the first instance, I think it will be used um, for international warfare. You know, this is when the Americans began their investment, which during the Vietnam War in the 1950s, General Westmoreland was saying what he wanted was an automated battlefield. In other words, that you'd put down sensors in Vietnam, which would detect when the Viet Cong were moving around. So it was a way of of trying to just put sensors around just to get an idea of who's moving where. So it's really as the decades have rolled along and with the impact of what's called Moore's Law. So Gordon Moore, just over 50 years ago, predicted that the power of computers will double every 18 months to two years and would halve in price every 18 months to two years. The most profound prediction in the 20th century, which will affect us in the 21st century. So what we've seen, therefore, is Moore's law applied to General Westmoreland's request for creating an automated battlefield. So you've got computer skills now being mobilised in the interests of warfare. And so obviously the Americans would like to see a similar situation, say, if they're going to be fighting another war in the Middle East, be able to have uh, robots out there in the hot sun. You know, robots are going to be much more weather-resistant, they hope, than human beings will be. And also if a robot gets blown up, so what? But if you, if you get a, a dead American carried home in a coffin, that's publicity. No, it's not going to work.
0: So yeah, so I'm picturing like way down the track. You've got two sides with robots. Yep. I mean, what happens there?
1: Well, you have the <laughs> war. You're going to have a war. This, this is the, the optimistic scenario is that you'll be able to develop weapons which are so sophisticated they will know whom to attack and whom not to attack. That is the theory. The problem is that these things go wrong. The the classic example is the Exorce missile which destroyed HMS Sheffield in the Falkland Islands war in 1982. The Sheffield was able to detect all these missiles flying around. So it had its own its Day, Artificial Intelligence, it recognised there was an say coming towards the ship, but it said, oh, the exorcee is made in France with British components, we'll let it through, came through and destroyed the ship. That is the risk you run, that computers are not 100% perfect.
0: Or you can hack them and turn them around to kill their own Absolutely. creators. yeah.
1: That's That's why a lot of us are getting very worried about all this talk about robots on the battlefield.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about killer robots. Quite a disconcerting topic, by the way, Keith. <laughs> nothing light today, nothing scary about the future here. <laughs> But how? what's the time frame we're looking at?
1: So we're looking really in the next 20 to 30 years. But remember Moore's Law, doubling power of computers? It means that computers are accelerating in the progress which they make. This is the notion of exponential growth. And so let me just explain Moore's Law. So the story of the game of chess, the inventor was to be rewarded by the emperor with anything that he wanted, and he said, well, this game of chess that I've invented, uh, which is obviously pleasing your majesty... It's got 64 squares, there's 63 doublings. Give me one grain of rice for the first square, two grains of rice for the second, and just keep on doubling all the way along. If the emperor had honoured his promise, he would have to plant the entire surface of the earth, including the oceans, twice over to grow that amount of food. That is the impact of 63 doublings. My organisation, the Club of Rome, reckons we're about halfway through. So the really big changes in computer thinking are really going to start kicking in in a big way. And we need to look at that, I think, in the context of employment as well. Uh, so there's some good and bad signs there. But certainly what is interesting is that who knows how warfare is going to be transformed. But then, you know, if you look back at the invasion of Afghanistan by the Soviet Union in 1979, they were war- the Soviets were warned, look, don't get involved in Afghanistan. Everybody since Alexander the Great has been beaten by the Afghanis. Mm. They're very welcoming. They're very <laughs> hospitable, but they will not like you if you're here to occupy the country. And they will
0: fight and to they the will nail. Fight
1: and the Soviets said, oh, don't worry. We've got all of these sophisticated modern weapons. We will be able to handle this. So this was 40 years ago. So they then went into Afghanistan. The Soviets went in with a very sophisticated military force and they got defeated by people who were using muskets, and old rifles which they'd inherited from previous decades of fighting. Not at all high-tech fighting at all. One of the things they used to do is to roll a boulder down in front of a tank as it meandered up through a mountain pass. The tank would stop because there was a rock blocking its way. A Mujahideen, an Afghani freedom fighter, would shove a a turban or something, some rag, up the exhaust pipe of the tank, store the tank, and they could then sit on the tank and work out what they're going to do with the tank and its crew. So here you've got a tank that could fire shells over a mile away but couldn't do anything about a group of, of people sitting on the front of the tank working out what they're going to do. Sometimes they set light to it. Sometimes they rolled it over into the ravine. So this is the worry also that I have got. You, you talk about these machines getting hacked and they ended up attacking each other. I'm more worried about low-intensity warfare that you would use it in a country where you get blocked by people who are well-motivated but poorly equipped but nonetheless will beat the machines. So the, the Soviets failed in Afghanistan and then more recently the Americans failed in Afghanistan as the Americans have failed in Iraq. So that they go in with huge military expenditure, very sophisticated military equipment, but they lose out because they're up against people who are fighting with a real passion on their own land, they know their own terrain and they're the ones that are unbeatable. And this for me is is the irony. So you've got the Americans and no doubt the Chinese and others who are spending really big on all this artificial intelligence and yet they might well end up just dying in a ditch, so to speak, in a battlefield somewhere, because their technology does not work up against people who are not willing to fight on their ground, but preferring to fight on their own.
0: Okay, and so let's flip what you just said around because the scenario keeps playing in my head where you've got a problem with Iran at the moment. As far as American Iran, the Americans did want to take action on Iran in the same way they took action with Iraq back in the eighties. You can and imagine this is thirty years down the track or whatever it is, and they've got. Shiploads of these robots that they could put out there, who are killing machines, like the ones in the Terminators. Pop culture reference <laughs> again, Keith. They're the ones I picture, of course, yeah. and probably most people, by the way, would picture if they're thinking about killer robots because yeah. they're really scary in that movie, in those movies. So you've got ships of them, and they arrive in Iran and they take over and fight them there. But you mean when you're dealing with robots, you can create thousands of them, surely? They like whole armies.
1: Absolutely. But,
0: that's a force to be reckoned with.
1: It is, but don't forget that the fifth most common language on the internet is Farsi. In other words, the Iranian language. In other words, the Iranians are very tech savvy. I know, but this is hypothetical. It could it be any hypo- country I that know, America has... The has- risk you run is that it uh, back to the... North HHU, Korea. But, yeah, and end up with your systems getting hacked or you're up against an enemy that just decide to make life difficult for you. You know, if you think about the uh, Iran-Iraq war... When Iran was attacked by Iraq, which was being armed by the Americans in those days, America was getting on very well with Saddam Hussein in those days. So Iran had more British tanks than the British army had, but they were designed to fight in Europe. They were not designed to fight in the desert. And so they had sophisticated machinery, but they were just fighting on the wrong terrain. And that's going to be the problem. If you're going to send robots in, will they just suddenly sink into the sand, for example? Will the sand get into their gears? And so that'll happen for any continent,
0: really. Exactly.
1: And and Clausewitz, who wrote on military strategy at the time of Napoleon, talked about friction. In other words, that machines will overheat and then just grind to a halt. Now, in uh, the days of Clausewitz, you would talk about the weather. In fact, we still do talk about the weather from a military strategy point of view, that you end up planning an attack and it rains all night. And so your soldiers and equipment are bogged down on the battlefield. They can't carry out the attack. So this is an issue of friction. If you're going to be fighting in the Middle East, you're up against heat and dust and the sand. So it, you know, it, for me, yes, we've got a whole new era opening up in terms of these new weapons, but there's no guarantee they're going to be successful because there are always so many things that can go wrong. And it is interesting that in Australia, I should mention this, that we have a a group that's been set up called safeground.org.au, which is a campaign against killer robots. So although it's the Americans that are giving publicity to the killer robots, particularly this marvellous article in the um, Atlantic magazine, Atlantic Monthly, But there is also an Australian campaign, which is being waged precisely on trying to get Australians to be aware of the risk of killer robots. So that's the the company is called or the organisation is called safeground.org.au, designed to try to stop the development of these killer robots.
0: So at the moment, the Australian government doesn't seem to be paying a lot of attention to this. We're not investing into this kind of technology, Keith, that you're aware of?
1: Oh, no, I think we are. It's just that we're we're not well aware of it because the government doesn't want to publicise it. But yes, who knows what's going on or what we could buy off the shelf once other countries have developed their killer robots? Will we want to then buy them?
0: And when do you think we'll be the we'll see the first kind of glimpse? We of have that. no
1: idea. Yeah. That's the risk that we're running, and, and there's no public debate on this. So a lot of money is being paid, obviously by the Americans, but others. Americans are much more open in their research because you've got other countries that are spending a lot of money as well because I've heard the Americans are doing it. Therefore, we've also got to uh, follow it. So the question then is that at the moment we're producing machines that could fight in battlefield situations, then we move on to what is called your Terminator scenario, which is mentioned in the article, which is machines entirely picking their own targets uh, and doing all the thinking And you've got what the article talks about is the Terminator conundrum, the question of how to grapple with the arrival of machines that are capable of deciding to kill all on their own. So that is the risk that we are now running. And I think there's also another reference from the movies called Skynet, which is also a phrase that's doing the rounds as well. A military system called Skynet decides to wipe out all of humanity. So maybe that, you know, who knows, we could be unleashing all sorts of things. So what we need is far more public debate on the risk involved in developing these machines. And as I say, there is an Australian uh, campaign. Uh, Matilda Byrne is the national coordinator of the campaign to stop killer robots. And her organisation is safeground.org.au. We need to be taking much more of an interest in this before we've advanced too far down the path of killer robots.
0: Oh, God, nothing you are saying is just putting me at ease.
1: No, <laughs> it's not It's not my job to entertain you. It's my job to inform you about what's going on.
0: Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.